The presenting sponsor of On Education is Participate. Lately, teachers from all over have been working together to find new approaches to provide quality remote education. Participate's sister company, Participate Learning, presents United We Teach, a global gathering place for educators to share distance learning resources as we navigate these strange times. For these resources and more, including weekly live chats, visit participate.com slash oneducation. I can't imagine a harder thing to teach online than kindergarten. Nightmare. (laughs) Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will discuss whether Edge's celebrities are doing more harm than good, talk about why we should suspend K-12 testing now, and our guest this week is the Chief Product Officer at GoGuardian, Tyler Shaddix. So before we talk about how much I've been playing Satisfactory, let's talk about what you've been playing. Have You you weren't, you weren't feeling very well over the weekend, I guess. No, I, I was grossly sick. I That's mean, not... really, really bad. So, so much so. That I, for a second, was like, well, actually, during the whole entire time that I was really, really sick, as I had body aches and and massive amounts of fever and, uh, you know, those hot sweats, whatever it might be, um, super bad headaches, I think associated with that, your brain goes to really bad places. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it actually tells you that you have the coronavirus (laughs) or that... It, it makes you start thinking about like, oh my God, I've infected my whole family. Uh, yep. How yep. did this happen? Why did, you know, what did I do wrong, et cetera, whatever it might yep. be. It's a really super scary, ugly place. Uh, thank God that in about a 36 hour period, almost not quite two days, um, I was already starting to feel better. Uh, this was yesterday, that would be a Sunday. And then by Sunday, midday, sort of mid-afternoon, I was already mm-hmm. going out for walks and actually feeling that a million times better and being able to eat food, et cetera, and so forth. But I can't imagine those people, so many people who are actually sick and have, and then remain sick for weeks, you know, and they are having those devastating thoughts and and all this negativity fills your body. Not only just the toxins and the virus in itself and all of this stuff that's happening there, but it, your mind starts going to some really dark places. So didn't play any games. I mean, really, yesterday I got back on, th- on here and I tried to actually do some things that I should have been doing f- to prepare for this week. Um, but happy to be feeling 100% and then mm-hmm. ready to l- look forward for this week. Well, that's good. I yes. I was worried about you a little bit and... Uh, I I can empathize with the the you know the crazy nonsense that gets in your head when the boys were sick there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mind was going just absolutely bonkers. Um, it gets it's bad, it's mm-hmm. bad, and um, so I have tons of empathy and sympathy for folks that are going through it and and yes. dealing with it um, for real, um, and how hard it must be to think about you know how sick you may or may not get and then also keeping your kids and your wife and your family safe Mm -hmm. and um trying to 
you know, work potentially if it you're if it, you were sick today or yesterday or, I or sick today or tomorrow, trying to like still just do grind your it out job or you know? whatever. It's Ugh. a crazy, crazy time. Yeah. Um, want to give some folks so I you know. I've 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 played a bit of satisfactory. It's how I it's how I unwind uh, from all of this nonsense. Is you know supply chain management. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I'll tell you the um, chat on Education Live on Friday was pretty friggin' great. Yeah, it was fantastic. First time we've ever done it. Did it live. We. Discussed a few different things. It was great. I thought it was a great panel of people. I think the the really interesting component could be, and this is the part that I really would love people to kind of join in, is that part where a live, basically a live audience, is mm-hmm. chiming in either comments and or questions. Yeah, because that helps to drive the conversation and maybe in directions that we didn't know. For example, Phil Poley was providing links to us for specific, you know, uh, articles that were that we could go in and continue the conversation. I think Mary Messicomer was there talking about different things and encouraging us, so on and so forth. But just in general, it's really interesting the concept of having that live audience so that you can interact with with you guys like we can actually interact with you guys and then mm-hmm. be able to see where we stand on whatever it might be or uh, maybe steer the conversation in a direction we didn't actually think of which happens all the time which is fantastic we love that kind of thing actually i think that's why we love the live shows a lot too when we do the interviews at um, the different conferences because you don't exactly know what's gonna happen in the interview yeah, yeah. And most of the time, I would say 99% of the time, that's awesome. It's so good. I mean, some of the stuff that we've discussed with people is like blowing my mind away. Um, I mean, occasionally it's not phenomenal, but, you know, it's okay. No matter what, it's going to be decent. But for 99% of the time, you just really don't know what's going to happen. It's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, It went really well for the first time, like considering... It was, we just literally turned on the streaming service and went, okay, let's go. Um, So I'm happy to, you know, we're going to put a little, maybe just a touch more organization into it. Um, It's funny. I didn't, um, we were thinking about releasing it as a podcast episode and maybe some people can chime in um, after listening to this and, and decide whether, um, you know, go watch it on YouTube. So it's on our YouTube channel. We'll put the link in the uh, show notes. Um, but um, I, I'd love to know if people think this would be interesting enough to um, be uh, an episode of of a podcast. We'd have to do a bit of a disclaimer at the at the top of it, like you know, just so you know, this is six people talking all at once, sometimes over top of each other. Sure. Uh, it's, you know, it's super unscripted and, and, and very raw, but, um, but interesting. Uh, so, you know, it might be something that you'd enjoy listening to. And if you want to listen to it, you should listen to it. Uh, but I thought it was pretty good. And so that's on, um, Friday nights at eight o'clock Eastern time, um, on the, uh, participate twitch channel that's uh twitch.tv slash inside participate 
So if you're, you know, if you're not going anywhere on Friday nights, you know, no parties to go to, can't go to, not going to the movies. <laughs> if, you, if you decided to stay home instead of going to the basketball game, um, you know, why don't you come and watch us on Twitch and sure. join in the conversation? Yeah, join that, in. That, that might be fun. Um, Dr. Will, with the tweet. <laughs> We Let's love Doctor Will. I, I've actually we've actually brought up Doctor Will. He might be like in for sure top ten. He may be in top five as far as mentions on this podcast. Just you some think different so? things. I think so because some of the stuff I've disagreed with him, and we've yeah. had kind of a cordial back actually, and forth. The last of, time it came up, I think yeah. we both disagreed with him. Yeah, I, I've said something in disagreeing with him, but yeah. I, I always tell him, "Hey, you know, I totally respect your opinion and whatever and but i disagree with you and whatever it was yeah but in this case he posted he had a series of tweets and it was this specific one was the one that uh, i thought really struck a chord and basically he writes what is considered to be sound instructional design for a face-to-face classroom isn't recommended for an online classroom environment there's actual peer-reviewed research for how to teach online so please stop pushing. I just put so, sorry. Please stop pushing out practices not meant for an online classroom. So lots of implications there. Now, some people responded with, can you show me the research? Well, there's a lot of research on online instruction. I actually have. I, it, it's a little bit too far for me to reach. But mm-hmm. when I did my master's degree and I spent way too much money, Um I had I purchased some books Other that I still have on that shelf over there that I actually read several books mm-hmm. with lots of peer-reviewed research within those specific books, not just the re- the research of one person, but many researchers about how to effectively teach online. Hmm. And I was thinking to myself um, as I was having some conversations this week with some colleagues, we we really need some of those leaders to step to the forefront those experts in online instruction kind of give us the 1 2 3 4 5 breakdown hmm. of what are the essential components of online instruction maybe so are some, these like the flipped the flipped people or no, or is this no i'm talking about not the same either. 100% online instruction so you mm-hmm. would never you know you're not able to actually interact with your students in any in any way so no no this is like uh, i'm looking up over there oh yeah like i have a book called e-learning uh the science of instruction of online instruction and it's a thick very detailed, heavy reading book with lots of research available inside of it. So when Dr. Will's talking about the research, he is he is correct. There is a lot of research talking specifically about how do you deliver online instruction. Now, education, because we work in education, we always think too, Mike, that we were the first ones to invent things or whatever it might be. Online instruction or e-instruction has been happening in the business world for a long time. And in the business world, in order to train your employees, that's right. In order right. to facilitate best practices and everything else that happens within a business in a in a very easy and productive way, a lot of businesses took on those models. And I'm talking about everything from businesses to the Mayo Clinic, for example, which delivers the majority of its training online and had before any of this actually ever happened, and probably has been doing it for ten years. They are true experts of how do you deliver this? How do you hold the 
the employee in that case, in this it all, all it could be the student accountable to those, you know, to the learning of the thing, but how do you do it in an effective way? And so they've been using lots of different types of techniques, but we're always, I think we think we invent things a lot of times in education. Like we are the, we're the ones that have come up with the best techniques or whatever it might be. And we also, sometimes we are always lagging behind as far as what's hap- might be happening as far as in the business world, especially like K to 12. Oh, big time. That's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I'm really wondering as we speak here, who are those K to through 12 experts yeah. that can really show us kind of like what are the techniques, the, the, the ways to be able to do this? First of all, of just let's talk big picture first. When we give professional development this summer, which we're already talking about, what should we be focusing on with our instructors of how do they just like from everything from course design through assessment, through delivery of the content, like maybe not in that order, but you know what I'm talking about as far as everything in between and how online instruction maybe differs than, than face-to-face. I've had a lot of experiences as far as in both worlds, but I can tell you right now, I have no idea, like I couldn't give you a, like a five-point breakdown and then how it differs from that. So his point is super well-received by me because I think too often when we talk online instruction, people immediately talk tools. Then they may go ahead and talk relationships. Super important. We talk about that all the time as far as creating those relationships in order to be able to uh, create a learning environment where students want to participate. Okay. So we've got tools and we've got really, but where's the rest of this? Where's the, the structure, the, the uh, course design, and then obviously the, then the delivery and then the assessment, how do we make all of those things basically come together? So we, I'm, I am for sure reaching out to Twitter universe or wherever it might be for those experts, people who have, have been doing this and are using research-based methodologies and can really guide us in K through 12 environments. And the ones that I'm really interested about are how can we do this effectively K through six? Yeah. I mean, even lower, let's go K through three, pre-K through three, man. Because I've I've been listening to some different things. The Department of Education this week is is coming out with a bunch of different webinars in Minnesota. And one of them is about this topic specifically about how do you deliver instruction to those little kids? Like what's the what's some best practice? What are some things that we, you know, should be the foundations as far as part of doing this? I think a hell of a lot of people want to know. Like mm-hmm. we know the best instruction just can't be a bunch of worksheets. I, I'm sorry. I just, that can't be, <laughs> it's not, I, I'm sorry. It can't be, that can't be it. So what are some things that other people, that people are doing that's, that have, have been working? And, and I know that there's some people out there that have probably some experience in, even in the elementary setting, doing yeah. online instruction for a variety of different reasons. So I, uh, I I hate to plug my family members, but uh, so my brother, Chris, my younger brother, Chris, is the head of learning for Canada's largest courier company. And yeah, I'm, you know, I've picked his brain in the past about, um, about adult learning, about crafting 
education content for adults. He does what you're talking about, how like all of his learning is delivered online through yeah. modules and and constructing online learning experiences is what he does, or at least, you know, part of what he oversees. Um, I'm going to get him to listen to, to this and see if he can answer, if he thinks he can answer those questions that you asked. It might be interesting. It's not kind of our normal interview, but I think that there's some interesting things to talk about there because, you know, this is this is his job is constructing online learning experiences for it's for adults but there might be lessons there that are yes. kind of interesting yeah. and i'll i'll tell you and 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 i'm not saying this because she listens to the podcast all the time now but you know cheryl is crushing it with her kindergarten class and um I can't imagine a harder thing to teach online than kindergarten. Nightmare. Like, I, I <laughs> am so impressed by um, what she's doing and how she's... Because you remember, you're not really teaching... Like, you're teaching the kids, but you're talking to the parents in a yeah. lot of cases, right? Like, when you're typing out things in any sort of an LMS, the kids can't read that. No, it's, it's not the kids that you're typing to. You're you're writing to the parents. Like any parent of a kindergarten kid is is an educator mm -hmm. right now. Has to be because yes. there's no other way to do it. There is, and it's so complicated. Um, you know, I I don't think she'd ever want to be on the podcast because she's shy and she doesn't like you know, um, talking like she's not tweeting enough. I keep saying, you got to tweet more. You're, you're really doing great work. Um, but, but I'll tell you, it's, it's hard. And maybe there's, maybe there's a group of kind of kindergarten K to two, K to three educators. We can get on like a panel and kind of pick their brains for a bit about yes. how to do this and what their shared experiences are, because I think it's a fascinating conversation. Absolutely we need that for sure. And we need to be open to a variety of different experiences, even if they come from outside of the education world, let's just call it the education environment, because all we can do is get better, you know, as far as this whole entire thing is not going to go away. So um, it, let's, let's continue to learn. Yeah, yeah. So The Hill, which is typically a, a politics website that's, um, you know, pretty hot takey and I, I actually read it a, a decent amount but there is an editorial an opinion article posted about doing away with um standardized testing uh next year as well and i think we've we touched on this actually yeah. in the chat on friday as well about about you know that this isn't just about this year this is about next year and the next year and the Next couple of years, right? Yeah, I thought that it actually 100% supported our position of saying maybe we should just take a pause on the way that we're measuring uh, student growth is a great term that a lot of people like to use. Um, take a pause on measuring student growth. Take a pause on having students meet specific standards at specific age levels or whenever they actually go in the fall of their fourth grade year 
And just like we said on Friday night, maybe testing is it's okay that it's not actually there. For this mm-hmm. year, I know we're not going to miss it. So, you know, if, if you think about, okay, what did what do we miss, you know, as far as the testing is concerned? Well, a lot of stress on a lot of students and educators pulling um, students away from their content. That's one of the things you do. The, what you get out of it, you get a bunch of data that we've already talked about on the podcast many times that is usually highly tainted. It's not written for a majority of people. It's specifically targeting upper-class white people. Um, and it's very flawed in the data that it's actually presenting, you know, as far as the thing goes. So eliminating that I think is a great hurrah. I love this. That's why I love this post. I wanted to make sure we brought it up because again, it supported our idea of saying, this is not like you just said, it's not just this year, this chunk, this little chunk of time, this month and a half or two months that it's actually been right. This could extend beyond this. And we don't know how long, why focus on those things? Why focus on hyper-focus on specific standard, a blah, 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 whatever it might be. Let's, Figure out obviously where our kids are at when the fall comes. Not hyper obsess whether or not they're not meeting grade level. Blah blah blah. Figure out where they're at, and then meet them where they're at, and make them grow from that point forward. That's what teachers have done all the time, even before standardized tests. We've always right. done that. Nobody just came into their dang classroom and just went like, "We're starting at this point. I don't give a damn where the where you started at." Just people, teachers don't do that. We determine where our kids are at, and then we help our students grow from that point forward. Um, it's part of teaching. I'm sorry, but it, it just is. <laughs> it just is. That's right. Um, one of my newest, uh, I've become a, a fan of Jed Deerybury, I think. That's oh, yes. Say his last name. Uh, we we uh, ran into each other. Um, you know, in the classic way that Mike Washburn meets anyone uh, fun on Twitter, and that's with an argument. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but then um, we've—I uh, don't know—I'd call him a friend. Um, he's a. I thought you actually met him. That you were going to tell us a story about. No, no, we got into a huge you gave argument. Each other a hug. Or... No, we no? got into a huge oh, okay. argument on Twitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I guess it is a good case study in the fact that, you know, I'm one of those people that can have a debate with someone and still, you know, not be make like I don't unfollow people that disagree with me. And I can have like a conversation where I don't agree with people and still come out the other side. And like Jed's a good person and a really interesting person. And um, this is a really interesting thread. It's a really interesting thread. And I read through it several different times, and I read through all the comments. Yeah, all the comments. All the comments, everyone. I went through right. everything. Because right. I. it actually was very, very – I mean, there's 173 off the main thread. There's yes. way more off of that, you know, as far as all the sub threads off of yeah, uh, off the, the conversations. So Jed makes a point, and that's kind of what we brought up as far as the top of the podcast here, that – Maybe edu celebrities are doing more harm than good. Okay. And he describes basically 
his specific situation and he only calls basically himself out f- for this for this kind of situation he and he writes several posts in a row where he basically said he was drawn to being a uh, edu celebrity and he c- kind of wanted to be one make sure you, you correct me if i if i get anything wrong here mike cuz i'm trying to paraphrase kind of what he's saying mm-hmm. and eventually he got into semi edgy celebrity club status, I want to call it. And the Cool Kids Club. Yep. And he got a call to go ahead and present at a conference. And a big name celebrity was going to be at this conference. And he was super excited about it. He doesn't name out the person. There's no need to. It doesn't even matter at that point. Unfortunately, his experience when meeting this person was very negative. The person was uh, not who they felt like they should be, I guess, what they proclaimed to be as far as an online personality. In real life, they were very uh, demeaning to kind of these people around him, um, his fans, let's call them. Um, He wasn't as, he put, as smart and his ideas weren't as novel as things. So he basically lost a lot of luster. (laughs) Okay, so anyway... As I read through all, I read read all the things. I was like, I think that happens in any time you actually do meet and get to really talk to many celebrities. Do you know what I mean? Because there's this thing that happens when you put someone on a pedestal or whatever you want to call that thing. Sure. That that kind of elevate you elevate them. You also elevate kind of their them being, you kind of put them beyond being a human. You know, you kind of put them on this new level of, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. And that has happened to me in many occasions, not even just on Twitter or edgy Twitter or whatever it might be. That's happened in relationships. That's happened in all kinds of different situations where you think one thing and then eventually you get to know this person and they be, you're, you, you, Gave him this flawless per- personality um, right. uh, thing that impossible uh, to achieve, kind of the status. And then when you really got to know him, you're like, God, you're gross. <laughs> or you're not as cool as I thought you were, whatever it might be. So anyway, I'm he talks about- I'm never as cool as people think I am. <laughs> <laughs> people totally come up true. to you and go, you're just not as cool as I thought you would <laughs> You know, anyway, I thought you'd be cooler. <laughs> <laughs> when when I I can I definitely know what he's what he's actually gone through. But I also yeah. think it's we it's there's some things in it that are that I disagree with. And the one point that I disagree with is this. He describes one interaction very thoroughly yeah. with this specific whoever this person was, whatever this edgy celeb was. Um and it went not in a good way and and it tainted him and it basically then it gave it tainted his whole like it basically made him feel like crap then too just for ever having thought that this was a good thing mm-hmm. you know kind of this attainment of edgy celebrity whatever it might be but the reason why i think it's like i disagree with it is i've had those interactions with some quote-unquote edgy celebs I've also had some of the most amazing 
interactions with people who I thought I would hate. <laughs> and you know who I'm talking about. I know exactly people, who you're talking about. People who I thought and you wanted were full of themselves and I couldn't stand. I hadn't actually ever met them in real life. That's that's the other part. It's really negative. Everybody yeah. now knows exactly what, <laughs> what Glenn's about here. I was just like, good, I can't stand them. And then when I met, uh, I'm thinking about this one specific person. I'm like, yes. God, I, I'm so stupid. Immediately yeah. within... I want to say two minutes. Yeah. I was like, what was I ever thinking? You realize he is one of the most likable people. S- several, <laughs> several hours into conversation with him, I yeah. was like, my God, this guy could, I could actually be best friends with this person. <laughs> now, right. many years later, I'm like, how the hell could I have ever gotten to that point? It's, and you know what it is? It's because. We're flawed as humans. We're like, we see things and we're like, you know, we take some things personally, you know, where it wasn't actually ever meant to freaking offend you. We uh, put people on, elevate them to things where we shouldn't actually do that. It's not a, it's not a thing. And I don't know if those people actually feel comfortable with us doing that. Part of their job, let's call edgy celebrity. Let's, Let's just see. A lot of quote unquote edge of celebrities' job is it is basically a grind. We've talked to a lot of people where they bust their butt and not only do they bust their butt, but their jobs are very just think about right now how uh not secure their funding is, their 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 compensation, their, anything that's actually happening, and how long do they will they have to wait before they actually put things into place to be able to make up for all of the monies that they normally would make? And some of them don't. People put like they're American million dollars. No, they're not. They're not. There's very few people. I would even say. I, I mean, I'm thinking about um, what's the guy that's from England. I, I mean, I could maybe see someone like him. Uh, his name is uh, Sir Ken Robinson. Yeah. Sir Ken Robinson. There you go. Yeah. I could see someone maybe like Sir Ken Robinson, maybe making you know a significant amount of money, or someone that actually started a company and then that company is now rising. You know, I could see something yeah. like that where you do end up making a significant amount of. Most of these people are just grind their asses off, travel yeah. throughout the country. And thinking about like, like, like our, like Monica Burns, for yes. example, who this is kind of her full time yes. job. Um, Carl Hooker, who yes. quit recently. Yes. A job that, you know, um, to do, to, to, to speak and to, to write and to, to work uh, full time yes. um, on the kind of on the road. Um, I'm thinking. I've thought a lot about those folks. Not not the folks like. I mean, there's there's folks like Michael Cohen and and myself and and you know a bunch of people who have like regular kind of day jobs, right? And uh, supplement their income with their quote unquote side hustles. Yes. Um. You know that's different. I think a little bit. Um. Those are actually, to be honest. Hmm. If I was honest, if I had to read between the lines okay. of these tweets, and and again, not 
really knowing or caring who who or if Jed was speaking about anyone specifically. I find that the folks that um, are being the most aggressive with their like view my online learning so and so and so and so and so and so are sometimes the folks that aren't doing this like that aren't doing this full time um, that are just trying to that are growing a side hustle so to speak or something yeah. like that or they're trying to become this that's what he What's was actually one? Matt Miller is someone who does this full time full time I think yeah so you know Alice Keeler you, you just finished describing minus Alice but let me just you just finished describing several people who are when I met them you know yeah. in a face to face environment okay Michael Cohen, nicest person ever. I mean, not only nice, but like Genuine. personable, yeah. a great thinker, but not trying to put someone else down. You know what I mean? Yeah, that kind of yeah, person. Yeah. Oh my God, what a what an awesome thing. Same thing with Matt Miller. Oh, my nicest, I mean, can't even say anything. It's just it's super nice people, genuinely yeah. nice people and caring. Yeah. And to think of them though, you know, this person that he was describing, how many plane trips did that guy just go, that person just go from one place to another, whatever it might be, and which spot was this at? And what kind of mood was that guy? Because, my God, I'm telling you right now. It's hard. I'm an up and down person. If I was on a plane all the damn <laughs> time, <ain't> so, Glenn. <laughs> if I was on a plane and I had to travel all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see my up and down in an ISTE conference. There's a, there's a, there's a flight at the beginning. I, nobody can see me as doing this, but I'm like flying straight up. That's me with the excitement building up. First days flying high, whatever it might be. By the time that that fourth damn day comes around, it's like okay, time to shut this thing down. Yeah, I need I'm to go home and sleep. My, I need to sleep <laughs> in my own bed and not think about this stuff anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you need to get reset. But yeah, when you do this as a job, yes, you're grinding. Yes. From that conference, they told us. You know, they would tell us, "Hey, you know, in two days, I have to go home." pack up my stuff again, and then go to this next thing. Now, people may say, well, they challenged this life. Yes, they did. I totally get you, and I totally understand you. But that doesn't mean that they're jerks. Like the people you're – like Monica Burns, super amazing, nice Monica's person. And and you know what? Nice. Doesn't actually – they don't – I don't know. They didn't need to be. It's not like she was – that people are playing fake with me and you. You know what I mean? We're talking about off – off the microphones and just in general, just talking and chatting, you know, just a back and forth conversation. I have been blown away by the amount of true kindness towards each other, you know, and mm -hmm. being able to like, and, and really wanting to engage in a conversation. Um, what's his name? Uh, Mike, Michael, really tall guy, amazing speaker. Was on Ellen. What who am I talking about? Michael you know Bonner. Michael Bonner. Okay, so Michael Bonner. I was kind of intimidated. I'm like, oh, we can't go up. That guy's like, he's he's not just edgy celebrity famous. He's like famous. He's been on like Ellen. I mean, I was super happy to have had him on the on the podcast. Yeah, kindest, nicest. Oh, he's awesome. Person spent just a few minutes of his own time just to make sure, and he put. Everything aside, aside, and made and was focusing on us, really talking to us, thanking us for you know 
whatever we did we just interviewed him or whatever and it was just really kind and nice and i don't even know if you remember but there was some lady there that i was think was teacher, one of his former, former teachers teacher. yeah. and i'm like the genuineness of them and coming together just i know <laughs> the genuineness of them coming together and like just the kindness the words between them and and being like hey you know what i want that guy to be my kids teacher you know you can see that as educators yeah. Yeah. whether they're influencers you know influence people as far as whatever might be and they're speaking on a specific topic or whether or not they actually are still in the classroom that's why i thought that the, I, that's, that's why i went through all the entire thread because i could see myself in that exact same situation and feeling the exact same way i wouldn't have been able to craft such an awesome series of tweets because this is very very well written mm-hmm. um but I can definitely empathize with it. But I also have seen past that point. I've been lucky enough to have been around you. We spend, and, we've spent a decent amount of time with some of these folks. And we have, I'm telling, I've, I have a lot of, th- my mind has shifted on a lot of these things where I thought certain things about certain people, I was freaking wrong. I can mm-hmm. admit that. I, and I mean, I would tell you back in the hotel room, I'm like, God, I'm a freaking idiot. Why did I ever, why did I, why was I ever feeling whatever the hell I was feeling? I was like, that was so stupid. Um, and it's because of my own insecurities. I know that that's really what it was about. Um, but yeah, I know this has been a long blurb. Sorry, everybody. No, it's, and your celebrity no. rant there. Um, but I thought it you know was really funny? good. Yeah. It actually segues into, into the next bit. Um, oh yeah. Uh, a little bit in that. I think one of the things that um, happens with some of these folks um, is is that they're different online um, than they are in person. Mm. Um, so I've talked about this actually with me personally on the podcast before. Um, and I, I responded to this tweet, this uh, this this question, are you the same person in real life as you are on Twitter? And and I wrote, I wrote, I, I don't have the energy not to be. <laughs> that was and a that's great what response. I always say. That's that's what I always <laughs> say about it because um, I decided when I when we realized when I realized that the podcast was blowing up, mm-hmm. right? I I wanted to make sure more than anything that it was authentic um that we were authentic and that um that i personally was speaking with you know my true voice and not projecting something that and i was being conscious of it because like thousands it it, it went from you know 10 15 20 to like thousands of people mm-hmm. listening to the podcast yeah and that's different and like people finding me in the concourse at isti and like stopping to talk to me and and i you know and so i had to think about how i i projected myself and i decided super early on um to be exactly like if you talk to me like this like us on the podcast if you're with me on a Zoom call, I am exactly the same on a mm-hmm. Zoom call in a meeting. I, and sometimes that can be a little bit obnoxious because I'm a little bit obnoxious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but um, oh, funny. but you know i'm also the exact same way on twitter you know sometimes i post about barbecuing chicken and uh that was a canadianism right there i yep. think that's why you smiled <laughs> <laughs> um, that was uh, instead like, of grilling chicken it's barbecue right. chicken yes i yes. got it the, the barbecue is a <laughs> i've been around superb. you a while now I... mm-hmm. <laughs> um the the way i am on twitter is exactly the same so i used to have like a professional twitter and a personal twitter and i don't use my quote-unquote personal twitter anymore at all um i don't even have it on my twitter like on my phone um because i don't use it i i my personal life and my professional life are very much similar now uh, to the point where, you know, and the reality is if people don't like me, then they don't like me and I got to be cool with that. Um, Mm. And you know, what about you? I see, I think you're also, you know, you may not view it the same way, but I, I think you're fairly similar uh, online and, and in person as well. What yeah. do you think? Um, You're I, more that's per- what I was trying to think of as far as like, you know, are you the same person? I don't want to speak for you. I, I, I'm interested in what you think about yourself online. I think that I may give off <laughs> some more positive vibes than maybe what's all behind, you know, the curtain, let's call it that way. Sure. But that's actually part of my personality though too. So that, I mean, so if it, does it reflect kind of you know, kind of who I you know, am, you know, basically a, a lot of smiles, a lot of, it looks very happy, you know, doesn't really ma- like matter whether or not what's behind the curtain is actually feeling that same way. Um, that may be what I do show a lot of. Uh, I do get uh, ranty and uh, preachy uh, on some topics when they come up and I go and I and I can't control myself and I post something um, that maybe I <laughs> will regret <laughs> later. I try not to be aggressive, like a psycho, you know, as far as like attacks personally on people. And, and if I ever have ever done that to anybody out there, I apologize. Um, but it's definitely, you know, it, it, it's definitely possible. But I would just say as far as comparing that life to my life, when I saw that thing, I'm like, I don't think I'm actually the same person because deep inside I'm not that same person so there's this like there's this um external layer let's call it it's my bubble (laughs) protector and that's usually the only spot that people that most everyone will ever you know penetrate so they never go beyond that thing and I think that's okay because there's a you know there's a time and a place for to be able to expose people to what's really happening deep down inside. And, and some, I, you know, it's not for, I, some of my stuff is not for everybody's consumption, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I feel like kind of what Twitter is, is it's a lot of consumption, like a lot of like, I'm taking some stuff in and I've seen some very positive things come of people sharing, um, whatever, you know, types of things where they were, able to get support and empathy and whatever, you know, like very positive vibes Mm -hmm. from people as far as in a thing in, in a, uh, social media environment. But when I saw that, I was like, "Eh, I don't think I'm the same. I want to call myself the same person because there's some things that I definitely, 
have held on to. Um, and there's probably things I will just hold on to for till I, you know, I, I'm not going to tell people jack crap. I, it, and, and it's interesting because if you've ever heard me tell stories of when I was a kid um, or growing up and all of the evil things that I did and, and kind of the situations that I was in as far as, a, as a kid and as a teenager, um, you'd be like, this dude is just like, will reveal anything. It's like, nah, I, I won't. There's, those are things that put a good context to maybe kind of where my, some of my mindsets are and kind of why I feel about things the way I do right now. Um, but yeah, do you agree kind of what I'm talking about? You know what I'm, yeah. I, as far as saying, I, I don't know if I'm actually that same person. So I don't know if I show the same thing or if I have a bit of, of a facade there um, that I put on. And I think I do. I actually, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I think I put on a happy, I'm going to call it the happy face <laughs> a lot on Twitter. Sure. And that's, I, that's part of my thing that I want to make sure that I try to help people out, support them. And people don't need sometimes my garbage, you know, and that's mm-hmm. not, doesn't feel like something that will help anybody. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's just, mm-hmm. that's how I'm feeling. Yeah. No, it's, it was a really interesting, I think I was. It was easy for me to answer because I I definitely spent some time, literally thinking about the answer to that question, um, and and making a decision. So I would encourage everyone to uh, think about that and how you carry yourself online. I think it's a it's an important thing to think about. When um, we come back, we're going to talk to Go Guardians Tyler Shaddix. So stay with us. GoGuardian helps thousands of K-12 school districts maximize the learning potential of over 8 million students. GoGuardian's products enable productive and safe digital learning by helping educators identify learning patterns, protect students from harmful and distracting content, and support mental health. To support schools during their distance learning transition, GoGuardian is offering free access to their entire product suite until the end of the school year. To learn more about GoGuardian and download their free resources about distance learning, visit their distance learning resource center at goguardian.com slash distance learning. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It uh, goes without saying the world's an entirely different place than it was just eight weeks ago. We're teaching and our students are learning in ways we've never done before, certainly not like it is now. Uh, here to talk about that with us is Go Guardian's Chief Product Officer Tyler Shaddix. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. So, Tyler, to begin with, can you introduce yourself, your role, and maybe a bit about Go Guardian? Sure, absolutely. So, yeah, my name is Tyler Shaddix. I'm the Chief Product Officer at Go Guardian. And at Go Guardian, our goal is to take advantage of all of the beautiful potential of the internet and digital learning experiences and allow teachers and educators to deliver that potential to their students in a safe and productive way. And so really what we focus on is how do you give educators that power to create and craft productive learning environments in a digital world? So a little context to this this question. My, my, my dad is a musician, a full-time musician. And uh, every time we get together, um, he yells at me for not playing guitar more. <laughs> Because uh, I, I used to play, I used to play a lot. We've talked about that on the podcast a little bit, and and so he gets mad at me when I didn't go into the family business, uh, so to speak. I guess 
I think you know where I'm going now. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, you went to school for software development, um, and and you were a, a software engineer and and a, and that sort of thing. Um, your mom is an educator, uh, a grade two teacher, I think. Is that right? That's right. Nice. And so it must. You know, I, I thought about this and I laughed um, because uh, it must make your mom proud that you work now. You work for a, an education an education company. I don't have a real question about this. I just thought it was an interesting little little side story to this whole thing that now you you end up doing really cool stuff for GoGuardian. Yeah, no, my mom is actually a user of GoGuardian, um, and so she has been texting me on a daily basis at this point on feature requests that she would like to see to the product, but I have to tell her consistently that she does not get special treatment just because she's my mom. But yeah, she she is super, super proud, um, and honestly, my grandparents were both educators as well, uh, so there's that added pressure of my grandparents kind of being being in the loop there, and I had always been told... Uh, growing up, education is the way you change the world, uh, but you may not want to go into it because we're not treated the best. And so I kind of, um, you know, always been passionate about going into education, but my parents actually were much more interested in me having a larger impact through something like software. And ironically, the way that, you know, I'm kind of living my life now is to build software that impacts education in a positive way. So I kind of get to do both at the same time. Yeah, it's worked out perfectly. So we're obviously spending a lot of time these days, especially on the podcast, talking about COVID-19, how it's impacting education, um, you know, teaching and learning uh, from home. Uh, we've even uh, started, you know, calling it emergency education as opposed to things like distance learning. This isn't really like the way <laughs> that we imagined anything like this would happen. And we, we wanted to have you on because we thought you might be able to provide um, an interesting perspective on how students and teachers are connecting because your your software is loaded on you know so many students and teachers computers and and so you have all of this data I imagine on what tools they're using and what type of behaviors have changed in you know this kind of strange time. What can you give us uh, some insight about stuff like that? Yeah, uh, that that's really kind of one of the nice things about being in the place that GoGuardian is, is we basically are involved with making sure students are safe on the internet through our filtering products and making sure that teachers can connect with students uh, through our classroom management products. And so we have that, that firsthand kind of look, um, partnering with our schools and, and working through that school's data with them on wh what's been, what's been changing and what's been developing with these kind of these recent, um, these recent place we're in. And I'd say the first thing that's really notable is right around March 15th, we saw 60% of all students across the country just disappear when it comes to online footprint, just completely gone, um, as sharp a drop as you can imagine. And that makes sense. There was a lot of, you know, um, just trying to get people home and get them safe without really equipping them with devices. And since then, we've seen about a 40% increase every three weeks um, as students coming back online, but it's been slow. And the last uh, survey and observation we ran with our research team um, actually showed that uh, still 40% of schools are in the unsure zone of what they're going to do in terms of are they going to give students devices? Are they going to do packets? Are they just going to say this school year's over? Um, so we still see a large mm. portion of schools that are in that that area of unknown. 
when it comes to the actual online experiences that we're seeing, uh, we've seen massive growth in tools like Zoom um, or Loom or basically anything that allows teachers and students to connect, especially through video. And so we've seen this move to these video-based tools, especially ones that kind of provide an asynchronous learning experience where students and educators can kind of work at their own availability and their own pace. Uh, which is which has led to some really interesting developments in terms of the availability of teachers. So when we look at um, teachers using our product, it used to be very, very straightforward. Right around 7 a.m. of the local time, they would get online. And right around 2.30, they would, you know, go offline. And that was the day. Now we're seeing teachers get on around 6 a.m. and stay online till around 5, 6, some even until 11 p.m. local time that night. Um, and so we're just seeing this availability of teachers where not only are they taking care of their own families and providing their own support uh, to the people around them, but they're also being there literally all all day uh, for their students in this this kind of remote environment. So that's been incredible to see as well. I'm actually curious, Tyler, are you seeing um, – and I don't know if you have data that, that kind of shows this, but are you seeing people – students specifically i guess i'm curious about that aren't logging in at all that like that have just completely like are you seeing a percentage that have just dropped off the radar completely yeah so we've we're only pull these kind of data at a high level aggregate view so i can only give like some rough guesses yeah Um, but we've only seen about 60 percent of our average daily population come back and um, that's including all the the schools that have joined us since moving to distance learning or this kind of emergency learning period. So all of our new schools combined with all of our old ones, and we still only have 60% of the averages we used to back in February or January. So there's still a large portion of the student population that has not come online since March. And this is what we expected, right? Like, uh, well, sorry, I shouldn't say this is what we expected, but Glenn and I have talked about this, about the idea that there will be kids that just uh, will be like, like disappear. Um, that you'll have classes where one or two kids in each class, and that you know, in a in a in an aggregate, that adds up to a large amount of students that will completely like not engage in school this year for the rest of the year, because you know, for lots of reasons, home life isn't ideal. This kind of stuff, it it really, it really, really um, hammers in that equity issue that we see with devices and, and um, you know, that home life is not equal for everybody all over the place, right? Absolutely. We're, we're hearing a lot of requests from schools that are asking for features that allow them to use hotspots um, in productive ways because many students are being sent home that don't have internet connections at home. And so we're actually having to pull features out of our products and turn off certain features for certain students to make sure that the bandwidth limitations that kind of hotspots mm-hmm. impose um, are not being taken up. So agree. There's, there's a bunch of personal situations that can lead to students not coming online and also just technical situations in terms of, you know, internet availability. And I come from, like I kind of may have mentioned, the rural school district out in the mountains of California. So internet connectivity was always something that we were glad to have, but not something we could rely on. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's a variety of reasons that happening. That said, I think something really interesting on the opposite side of this is the students who do are coming online and are using devices, more than 50% of them that are online during weekdays are also online during weekends working on school stuff. And that's pretty interesting as well. So yes, many students have not come online, but over 50% of the ones that are online are actually working on weekends 
on school related topics. Interesting. Um, and it's I I can't claim that it's the mass majority of time, but it is it's a it's a portion of their time is school related. And Tyler, I was I was thinking that on that exact same note, have you noticed? I don't know if you guys break this down, but we notice our, for example, our LMS Schoology. We have some analytics that are showing specifically at the secondary level that our students are working at times when we thought that they would actually be more productive at, but we were just, you know, you see all kinds of different studies and so on and so forth. But basically, their most productive times are between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. <laughs> is, is the times when students are actually working on content, submitting assignments, and it's not like they're messing around. It's There's a highly productive things going on during that crazy time period, um, which a lot of research has shown that that might be the most productive time of, especially the te- the kids that I work with, uh, you know, are in the high school type of age. So, have you seen those types of 100%. things too? Are you guys like? Uh, 100%. Yeah, okay, it's yep. it's it's truly incredible to see how once you allow all these different kind of um, choose your own learning style and learning learning cadence, um, how how different students can be in terms of when they would like to engage and how they engage. Um, you know, we've even heard teachers telling us that some students like they don't get up until 11 a.m. or 12 p.m. every day. Mm. And so for, uh, you know, for them, they are so much more optimal once they get that full morning rest that they like to optimize for and then work from, like you said, maybe uh, late afternoon till night or even later at night, uh, just simply because they can kind of shift their schedule around to meet meet what they need. So we've been applauding a number of edtech companies on the podcast here who have stepped up and responded with increased services or free services during this time. What has GoGuardian done to make it easier for schools and school districts to handle teaching and learning from yeah. home? Yeah, uh, and it's it's been incredible to see the response across the edtech community and across the education community in general in making sure schools are supported. Um, GoGuardian, what we decided to do is make all of our products free for the rest of the school year. Um, and so that's our, our, you know, our filtering product, our classroom management product. Um, we have a suicide prevention product that looks for warning signs of internet behavior of students, maybe who are looking to, um, you know, commit self-harm. Mm-hmm. And so all of those products are now free to schools. Um, and then we've completely shifted internally how our company is running. We've moved a bunch of people who are working on longer term projects to supporting onboarding new schools and helping them roll out devices to their students. Um, we've also shifted all of our engineering teams to be working on distance learning features, um, which is which is a challenge because quite honestly, every week we learn new things that people need because the, the, our, our teachers and our students are learning new things that they need every week. And so we've shifted the internal structure as well of the company to meet the new demands that we're hearing from, from our customers and our students. Um, and then finally, the last thing we've done is we've been working across all of our schools um, to collect the best practices and resources from those that are willing to share. And we've collected those all into a single place on our website for schools to reference if they have any questions about how to roll out devices or how to think about digital use policies um, as they start kind of taking on this challenge. Tyler, I was you said something about a product that detects suicide prevention. And a lot of us, it doesn't matter if you're elementary, but especially at the secondary level, um, have had experiences with students at, in our districts committing suicide. And it is something that continues to happen. And it would be interesting. I've never heard of an actual you know, way to be able to go ahead and, and at least have some form of detection where we could take some preventative steps. You know, students fall through cracks. They don't talk. They stop talking to people. 
well, how does yeah, this actually that's, work? That's a great question. And, and quite honestly, we, we kind of got into it by um, accident. Originally, we were building kind of this artificial intelligence based filter with the idea being that it would be more lenient to students. So if they weren't misbehaving on sites like Twitter or Reddit, that it would actually allow them to continue using it because there's so many great learning potential. Really? So awesome we built an itself. AI. Yeah, <laughs> I actually really like what you're where you're going there. That's really yeah, that, interesting. That's, Keep going. This is this that's is very actually cool. our goal um, at GoGuardian with our filtering products is to open up as much of the internet as possible, but keep it as safe as necessary. Yeah. And so you need artificial intelligence yeah. for that. You can't say that an entire website or an entire series of website is bad or good. It's about the experience that you have inside of them. So we built this AI that basically sits with each student and in real time will kind of assess what they're working on and, and what the content is. And while we were working with a bunch of schools on this, they actually said, hey, we're having a bunch of we're having an escalation of these incidents. This was about two years ago, um, where we're having students who are looking to commit self-harm. Um, how is there anything that you can do to maybe turn this AI um, to looking for those signs. And so we actually sat down with the American mm -hmm. Foundation for Suicide Prevention and the American Association of Suicidology, and we trained uh, models with those experts to actually start looking for warning signs that are indicative of um, a student look, maybe looking to harm themselves um, in, in some way. And so what it does is when it detects this in the browsing wow. behavior, and it's very subtle, it's able to catch very subtle, um, tiny things that uh, that a student may be kind of showing. Uh, it'll notify the counselor discreetly and reference the behavior that kind of triggered it and why the artificial intelligence model was concerned. Um, the school can even have it uh, send an email to the parents that just says, hey, you may want to check in with your student. And it's this really interesting balance we had to strike between protecting the student's privacy, but also making sure to get them the help they need. And so it's all done very carefully. We referenced, you know, we worked with a bunch of experts to make sure that essentially we're only giving as much information um, that's necessary to help schools act while at the same time trying to protect the student from, you know, having having any sort of negative effects of that information being shared. There's so much mm. nuance to this stuff. Like context is so important. And and the human side, like I like that you said that it then goes to people that actually like assess it for real because um, – you know, a, a kid saying, I'm going to, I'm going to kill you like in a joking way. I mean, it's not necessarily the most appropriate thing to say, especially, um, you know, but, but like, it's not a death threat, you know, when 100%. it's a joke. Right. Um, but like, there are some systems that are just brute force flagging stuff like that. And then like, just the whole world falls apart on this kid, um, you know, gets in trouble and all of that stuff. And we actually, it's funny, we had that kid on, uh, or we had that situation, uh, we've come, it's come up a couple of times recently on the podcast, um, the student who hacked into like the school system and where the school board just went crazy on this kid, like arrested him and, and all of this stuff in these these situations and this is another one of those kind of things where context is is super important this is really interesting absolutely yeah completely agree and, th and that's that's kind of we're still we're still trying to figure that out but that's that's really what we've, how we're approaching it let's be let's be safe but thorough in in terms of how to get these students help mm. so where can people connect with you and where do they go to learn more about GoGuardian? Yeah, uh, our website's always a good place to start. That's uh, GoGuardian.com. Um, you can also connect with me. Uh, I, I try to post all the insights that I'm learning on a weekly basis as we're kind of working with teachers and working with our schools. So that's uh, on Twitter, uh, at Tyler Shaddix. Um, it's just my, my full name. 
and yeah, always happy to chat more about this stuff. Um, it's a really exciting time in terms of all the new things that we're learning together about what's working well and what isn't. Um, but obviously, it's also a time that we need to kind of come together and help each other out. Tyler Shaddix, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. Want to support on education? Visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash oneducation. There, you can get access to full videos of the podcast and so much more. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or a review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. It helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out Participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.